0: Praise the Lord. So, I don't think it's a very long preach. I, I planned a short preach. Um, but as the day went on, I just got more and more excited about about bringing this word. Um, tonight, I'm, I'm preaching on the theme of of taking back, of fighting for, of walking in the freedom to live in victory, of walking in the freedom to do good. Um stay in, in our series, uh, the Holy Spirit, wonderful, not weird. We're we're still in Galatians, um we're in Galatians five and, and we'll still be talking about the fruit of the spirit. And it's funny, you guys, when we planned um this this series and we knew um that the Lord was, was gonna have us uh, uh preaching on the Holy Spirit for weeks, you know, we just had like a short time on the fruit of the spirit. We're like, man, we'll just we might even fly through that like in three weeks. We're like you know, maybe the first is, you know, love, joy, peace. And the second is uh, patience, uh, uh, gentleness. Um, oh, let's see. Patience. Uh, is it goodness or gentleness? I always get caught up on the G's. So patience, kindness, goodness is the first G. And then gentleness, um, faithfulness, and self-control. Did I do faithfulness twice? I think, I, I think I've think i got them. And, uh, and the Lord just didn't want us, he wouldn't let us move on. Um, there's too much to be gained from the theme of nurturing the fruit of the Spirit in our life, of giving God room and being intentional and in letting Him grow the things of the Holy Spirit in us. So Galatians 5:16 and 17 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Which, I'm going to stop right there. It's kind of funny. Because I think too often this is exactly what we do for the negative sense. We just walk right by the Holy Spirit. We just walk right by Him. We just walk right by Him and what He's doing. We, we kind of have our own agenda in mind and we walk by the Holy Spirit instead of walking beside the Holy Spirit. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets his desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things you please. That's an interesting phrase in the New American. Um, if, we, if we don't dig a little bit deeper, we might miss what that stands. I want to read that same passage again in the New Living, which just makes it abundantly clear. So the same passage again in the New Living translation. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Paul writes something similar to the church in Rome in Romans chapter seven. He says, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Down to verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Don't you love the vulnerability of Paul? Don't you love the honesty of Paul in encouraging us with this? We've all felt this way a million times. Gosh! Why did I do that again? Why did I respond in that way? why did I show that? I don't believe that's supposed in me. Ah! I believe that speaks for all of us. So is there hope? Absolutely there's hope. Absolutely there's hope because we live our lives in Jesus Christ. What do we do to our bodies when we're out of shape and undisciplined? We work out And we change what goes in in the expectation that we know that something's going to take place where what comes out, energy and strength and endurance, is going to be the result of that intentional change. Of that intentional change in lifestyle. I want to read that passage from Galatians again, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please, or that stop you from doing the good things that we desire to do, that we will to do, that we purpose to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We're going to see here that Paul utilizes if-then statements all throughout. If you are led by the Spirit, you're you're not under the law. Friends, you are led by the Spirit. If you have given your life to Christ, you are led by the Spirit. But once again, we've got to walk beside the Holy Spirit, following His lead. Being led by the Spirit means we follow His lead. He takes a hard right. Friend, guess what we're doing? Hard right. He stops abruptly with no explanation. We stop and wait. Wait. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What is the function or the purpose of the law? It's to restrain or to deter. And deterrent and restraint is not needed when we're walking by the Spirit. Therefore, no law is needed when we walk following the Holy Spirit. Paul is simply doing here what any good preacher does. He is redundant and repetitive in His message in order to drive home the point. Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. If you live life led by the Spirit, then you live in freedom and not restraint. If you live by the Spirit, then you are in freedom. Selfish and worldly thinking says that if you have freedom... Then you get to what? Do whatever the heck you want. Do whatever you want. That's freedom, baby. Do whatever you want. That's not freedom. The Word of God tells us if we walk by the Spirit, we walk in freedom. How does this chapter, Galatians 5, begin? What does Paul say? In Galatians 5, 1, Paul says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to what? To a yoke of slavery. When we walk according to the flesh, then the flesh is our master. When we walk according to the flesh, the flesh is our master. And this master is is not a good master, it's a wicked master, it's an unrighteous master. When we walk according to the flesh, we are in bondage, not liberty. When we do whatever we want, we are in bondage, not liberty, not freedom. We once were in bondage, right? Each and every one of us, we were once in bondage. But we had a liberator. We had a liberator who fought a fight for us that we couldn't win so that we could be free. He secured our freedom, and that champion was Jesus Christ. We are free. So why does it seem like we don't walk in freedom? And how do we keep our freedom? How do we how do we learn to walk in that freedom? Easy. This passage makes it real clear. We keep standing, we walk by the Spirit and we practice or nurture the fruit of the Spirit. We make the fruit of the Spirit be an evident and manifest in our life a purposeful, intentional, active way of living. Friends, we have to be intentional about the fruit of the Spirit being nurtured in our lives and then being manifest in our lives. There has to be intentionality. It they just We don't just stumble into it. I think it's a very rare thing that there's a, a solid marriage that, that is, I mean, a phenomenal marriage that they just stumbled upon this phenomenal marriage and they put nothing into it. They just happen to... No, truly, we do nothing. We don't do dates. We don't... It's, I don't know how we have such a great marriage, but we do. We do nothing intentional about that's That's rare. If If not... It's like a Yeti or something. I mean, it's like, it's imaginary. Marriages are developed. Healthy friendships are developed. There's intentionality put forth in it. A strong prayer life is developed. Making fasting a lifestyle is developed. Being a good teacher is developed. There's intentionality to it. Too many people live their lives with no sense of purpose. And there are too many marriages that are just hanging on. Because there's no sense of intentionality between husbands and wives. And they're just barely making it. When I was a student at at ORU, I lived on a wing called Youngblood. And it was a great group of guys. And we had we had a saying up on this wing. I love you enough to knock you out. I love you enough to knock you out, and it's true. And that love was represented, but those were simpler times. And there'd be times we'd be, walk- and I, I was the recipient of that love at times, and I was the giver of that love at times. And you might be walking down the hall. Next thing you know, whap! You just get nailed on the side of your shoulder. It'll it knock you into the cinder block wall. you like, what? What are you doing that for? I heard you were failing English. I'm, th- I'm not kidding. What? Is it true? Are you failing English? Have you not turned in your homework? Have you not been going to class? I don't know. Well, I talked to the teacher's assistant. and You're failing English. And we need you on this wing. See, if you're not academically eligible, you can't play intramural basketball. And we need you on that team. So you better get your butt to class so you can make you know the intramural basketball squad cuz we're we're fighting for for you know an all campus championship and and you better get your butt to class i mean that's and that's just intramural sports that's nothing even like life changing but the wake up call that you better get your butt in gear because you are needed you better get your butt in gear cuz it's not just about you and we would just people just randomly slugging one another i mean it's Summertime had proof of it, just... I promise you, if I could get away with that today with the men in our church, I would do it. And you know this. You know this! I would do it! You just walk in by randomly and slap! What was that for? Because your wife told me you never pray with her. I need to do another one. What was that for? Because I was at your house recently and there's dust on your Bible. What was that for? You're working too much, man. The work has its place, but what about your family? What was that for? What was that for? I heard you say that the all-church fast wasn't for you so you just weren't going to participate because too many good restaurants to eat at, I guess. What was that for? I don't know. I would do it though and I would welcome it and we'd be better because of it. But I can't. The law says I can't and the media says I can't so I'm not going to. But for those men that I may have reference for um, at the end of the service, um, please see Michael at the back of the building. He has a special message from me. So see see Michael at, at the end of the service. WAP we need you eligible WAP this team needs you WAP it's not just about you Well, here, here's, the, here's why I like that guys and I'm not a violent guy I'm a lover not a fighter You know good fights okay too I guess but here's, here's why here's why this is important because that WAP is coming at some form or another And I'd rather it comes from someone who loves you saying, Wake the heck up. I heard you never help your wife around the house. Is that true, dude? Wake up. The instance of not praying. Friends, the WAP is coming from somewhere if we don't pray with our families. Men, if we don't pray with our wives, the WAP is coming somewhere. And you would rather it come from a brother slugging you in the shoulder... Then from your family falling apart because you refuse to be the spiritual head in your home. I'm serious. We're in a battle. We are in a battle. Our marriages are on the front line. Our homes are on the front line. Our children are on the front line. The biggest mistake we can make is say, oh, no, no, there's no battle. Christ, you know, Christ fought the battle. No, Christ won the battle. Now we've got to walk it out. He won it. Now we've got to show agreement to that victory by walking our lives victorious. How do we walk our lives victorious? By walking by the Spirit. By being led by the Spirit. After Paul talks about this conflict between the flesh and the Spirit, he reads he reads off this like starting lineup of this, of the opposition. In verse 19 of 5 it says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which is The deeds of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. The things of the flesh are obvious. They shouldn't be a surprise to you. They're immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, carousing, and what? And like things. What are like things? They're obvious. They're obvious. There's no need to, to do a list any longer than this. They're obvious. The things that feed the flesh are obvious. You know how you can tell what they are? Because you're walking by the Spirit, and the Spirit goes this way, but you don't realize He goes this way because, ooh, I, I want to go over here. And next thing you know, you find yourself alone and out of the presence of God because He went one way and you chose to go one way because it satisfied the flesh. That's how we know what the things of the flesh are. They're pretty evident and they're easily identified. And things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice such things. Practice. Those who make habit of such things. Those who make lifestyle of such things. Those who choose this as your intentional way of living. That's what he's saying those who practice these things church how do we live our, how do we live our lives wives are you a are you a proverbs 31 wife if you haven't read it in a while go back and read proverbs 31:10 through the rest of the chapter Do you pride yourself in being that kind of a woman? Verse 12 especially says she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She does her husband good and not evil all the days of her life. You notice it doesn't say that she does her husband good and not evil when he is not being a moron. It says she does this all the days of her life. Why? Um Well, probably because the fruit of the Spirit is manifest in her life. And in that fruit, there's faithfulness and self-control, which is needed in dealing with men sometimes. So wives, do you pride yourselves as one who walks in endurance and faithfulness and self-control? Husbands, if you aren't practicing the fruit of the Spirit in your life, talk about practicing the things of the flesh, if you're not practicing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and if we're not growing in our relationship with God, then we have just placed our family in chains. We have just placed our family and our marriage in bondage and slavery. Because if we're not leading our families in freedom of the Holy Spirit, There is no middle ground. We're either leading our family in freedom or we are not leading our family and they are in bondage, period. There's no middle ground. Why? Because the thief makes sure of it. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Not bat the food around a little bit and then get bored and walk away. The enemy comes to steal marriages, kill marriages, destroy marriages, steal families, kill families, destroy families. Jesus came so that we would have life into the fullest. So men, if we're not walking according, pointing our family to Jesus and being the spiritual head, we are putting our family in chains. We are in a battle. We are in a battle. And the stakes are too high to lose this, guys. The stakes of our marriage is too high. The stakes of our families are too high. The stakes of our children, it is too high. We can't risk being a moron and not pursuing Jesus. I'm pretty sure I could say that to a crowd of ten thousands, and they would roar right about now. But with a smaller crowd, maybe it stings, but I don't care. Our families are on the line. So what are we supposed to practice? Paul says if you're practicing these things, these things of the flesh, there's bondage and destruction and it it turns things bitter and brings it to death. Galatians 5.22, the next verse. But the fruit of the Spirit, what are we supposed to practice? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. What did I say the law was there for, to do? To, to retain or deter. Against such things there's no restraint. Against such things there's no need to restrain. For these things they're meant to be lived freely with no restraint. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus, Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, then let us also walk by the Spirit. Real quick, don't look up there if the verse is up there. Okay, look look right here. Answer this question: Who crucifies the flesh? Jesus? A. Jesus. B. Us. Or C. Someone else? I don't know. Like multiple choices. Who crucifies the flesh? we do we crucify the flesh I better read that again because I'm getting funny looks yeah we crucify the flesh yeah we crucify the flesh friends that's part of walking it out we crucify the flesh we put to public shame and humiliation the flesh we put to desolation and embarrassment that's what crucifixion was the flesh. That's what we do to the flesh by choosing to live our lives in victory and not going back to a way of death. Those, verse 24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Your master wins one way or the other. So who is your master? Your master's going to win. I just, you got to know that. Your master's going to win. The master is either the flesh or it's the spirit. Now, you don't win either way. The master might, but you don't win either way because if we make the flesh master, we lose. If we make the spirit master and we make Jesus Christ our king of our lives, then we win. during worship. And I knew I'd be preaching on this. But I just told the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I don't want us to be a church that's self-sufficient. I want us to be a church that is you-sufficient. Let us be you-sufficient, Lord God. I don't want us to be self-sufficient. I want us to be so desperate in dire need of you and sufficient only in you. If our King is Jesus, then we put to shameful death the flesh and we live in freedom. Dancing in the streets. Freedom. And we walk with Him beside the Holy Spirit doing what He leads us in, going where He leads us to go, walking in His fruit. By ourselves. By ourselves. Being self-sufficient, we can't live in freedom by ourselves we continue continue to do those things that we wish we wouldn't do like Paul talked about by ourselves in our own strength we do those things we desire not to do by his side by his side no matter where he goes and leads by his side we live in victorious freedom and we defeat the desires of the flesh you guys, I didn't come up with the idea of uh, the, that we nurture the fruit of the Spirit and that we grow those things that we focus on. That wasn't my idea. I didn't come up with that. I didn't coin that phrase. It's found in God's Word. The very next chapter in Galatians 6, verse 7, do not be deceived. He's still talking to the church here. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. But the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have the opportunity let us do good to all people and especially those who are in the household of the faith. So then, while we have the opportunity, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. Mark, Kara, while you have the opportunity, let us do good to those in the household of Of the harpers. Here it says, the household of faith. James and Amy, while you have the opportunity. Mia, while you have the opportunity. I love that phrase, while we have the opportunity. Friends, the opportunity is fading. It seems like just yesterday. Acacia was born, and I kissed her a thousand times a day. And I held her, and I can't believe that the other night we went out driving and went to a parking lot and, and was teaching her how to drive. I can't believe that. While we have the opportunity. Friends, if we're, if we're just living our, our marriages out without seizing opportunity to grow to, to love one another, to care for one another, to let Jesus Christ be glorified in our marriages. If we're not seizing the opportunity, friends, then we are passively living life, and there's no reward in passively living life. There's no value in passively living life. And if that's how we're living our marriages, then I don't have to tell you that. We've got to be... The theme of marriages, if you haven't and families. The Lord put this on my heart in the midst of this message. It's important. Being intentional about our families and our marriages is important. While we have the opportunity, do good to our family. While we have the opportunity, do good to our children. While we have the opportunity, do good to our marriages. While we still have the opportunity. Friends, what are the last four fruits that are listed there? in the fruit of the Spirit? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Goodness. When it talks about doing good, I'm thinking about goodness. I'm thinking about the fruit. I'm thinking about goodness being exemplified in our lives. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Our marriages need these things. Our marriages need the fruit of the Spirit manifest in our lives. What are we pursuing are we pursuing if we're not being intentional in our lives living it for the Lord? Lord? If we sow to to the Spirit these fruit of goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our families, then we receive from the Holy Spirit the kind of families and marriages that we so desperately desire. And if we don't, and if we don't sow this fruit to the Spirit that our marriages and our families will never experience the genuine freedom that Jesus bought with the price of his blood. the kind of freedom that He always had in store for us and that he has already won for us. What do we do to control the lust of the flesh? and to bear the fruit of the Spirit. In Paul's own words, we must crucify the flesh and walk by the Spirit. The crucifixion of the flesh is something that must be done by each one of us. Jesus doesn't do that for us, but he has empowered us to do it. Sometimes I get confused by the looks on your face. Friends, it's in the Word of God. He doesn't do it for us. We've got to walk it out. He's empowered us to do it. Jesus said these words in Mark chapter 8. And Jesus summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself the flesh and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? The works of the flesh are evil and bring destruction. The works of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit are beautiful and desirable. And the flesh and the Spirit are in constant conflict with each other. And by ourselves, by ourselves, we just can't do what our renewed hearts really want to do. See, we've got renewed hearts. We've got renewed hearts. Jesus gave us a clean heart. Gave us a new heart. But yet, in those renewed hearts, we still at times don't do the things we desire to do because of the flesh. Because we haven't yet crucified it. Because we haven't yet said no and and denied ourselves and, and picked up the cross. But we have hope. We have hope because of Jesus Christ. It is our duty to crucify the flesh. It is our duty to reject its selfish ways and to walk by the Spirit, nurturing His fruit. This victory belongs to every Christian, but friends, we have to walk in it. That is the truth. We have to to walk in it and there is no victory in passive living. If we have crucified the flesh, which we have, then we must leave it securely nailed to the cross where it belongs. If we live by the Spirit, which we do, then we must walk by the Spirit. When we walk our walk beside the Holy Spirit and the enemy comes with attacks meant to tear us down, to tear our identity down, to destroy our lives, to steal, kill, and destroy, we must remind ourselves and the enemy of the truth. We must declare, I belong to Jesus Christ. I have crucified the flesh and I will not take it down from the cross. The Holy Spirit lives in me and I dwell in Him. So I set my mind and I set my actions on the things of God and I walk by and beside the Holy Spirit following Him victorious. Friends, no more, no more passive living. No more passive living. No more passive living Let's fight for our families. Let's fight for our marriages. Let's fight for our souls. And let's do this today by carrying the cross of victory and following God. Let's crucify the flesh in prayer. Let's crucify the flesh in fasting. Friends, we're already seeing breakthrough. This is not about religious obligation. This is about breakthrough because of who our God is. knowing that breakthrough and victory are ours if we will walk beside Him. Victory and breakthrough are ours if we will walk beside Him.